0: React, Vue, and Angular. Oh my! You've probably heard about some of the JavaScript frameworks that dominate the front-end system. In this week's podcast, we'll be discussing the pros and cons of JavaScript frameworks. Go into detail about React, Vue, and Angular, and discuss tools and resources for how you can get started with these frameworks. Let's begin.
1: Welcome to the Ladybug Podcast. I'm Kelly. I'm Allie. And I'm Emma, and we're debugging the tech industry. This week's episode is brought to you by LogRocket. How many times have you struggled to figure out an annoying bug in your app? Well, struggle no more. LogRocket lets you replay what users do on your site, helping you reproduce bugs and fix issues faster. You can see a perfect replay of what your users saw, inspect Redux actions and state at any point in time, view every network request and response, and even inspect console logs and JavaScript errors. LogRocket lets you support your users without the tedious back and forth conversations. Plus it works with React, Angular, plain JavaScript, Redux, Ember, and Vue. Check out LogRocket today to improve your debugging workflow. Okay,
0: so let's get started here. One of my favorite questions that I think I've asked Ali probably four times already is what is the difference between a library and a framework? Because I can never remember.
2: Yeah, so a library is generally a set of functions or methods that somebody else wrote that you are including in your own code in order to make it so that you're not reinventing the wheel or anything like that. So the library is pretty flexible. You're just importing stuff using other people's code. Whereas a framework, generally, it changes how you structure your code. So something like Angular, which we'll talk about today, there's a specific file structure and way of writing your code that's very, very different than if you were not using Angular. So it's not just a bunch of functions and methods that you're adding into your code. It's dramatically changing how you're restructuring your code. The fun thing with front-end frameworks is that there's a bunch of debate whether these things fall into frameworks or libraries. So generally, it's said that like React is just a library, not a framework. Though if you use something like Create React App, I would argue, argue it goes more into the framework side of things. And so I think that that is an interesting conversation to, to have and definitely something that a lot of developers definitely nitpick about, whereas I I don't know. Part of me is like, yeah, semantics matter. These names matter. But then also part of me is like, does it really matter if these things are libraries or frameworks? And they all kind of fit in the same grouping of what they do and like how they matter and change the way that you write your code. So maybe we just need a new name for the set of libraries or frameworks that allows you to write component-based applications or whatever.
1: That's really funny. It's like anytime you post about React being a framework, you get a thousand people like,
2: React is a library, React is not a
1: framework. And I just like that. It's just, it cracks me up because I know I'm going to get those comments every time because like technically they're true, but I would agree that maybe we should just change the word choice here because there are tools that help you build applications and there are a lot of similarities between them. I think I read something somewhere that that was saying like frameworks are opinionated about the way in which you write your applications versus libraries don't have that opinion still give you you know a lot of powerful tools and functionality and whatnot totally. i think at the
0: end of the day whether you call it a library or a framework and again this comes from the person who can never remember the difference whatever it's called it doesn't affect my ability to use it and i'm able to use it
2: whether i call it a, fl- a framework or i call it a library. Totally. And I think like React, even though it's a library, it's so dramatically different than something like Lodash or D3 or something like that. Or jQuery, yeah. Yeah, jQuery even. And so I think we do need some sort of name that groups all these things and it's become vernacularly like frameworks, but that's not technically correct. And so I I think that's where the issue comes in is maybe we need some new like name for for these. Yeah. it's
0: how we fell into the trap of calling HTML a programming language. We don't but even want whole, to open a to me, Kelly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's, my favorite. Only,
1: it's my favorite thing to tell people. <laughs> I only write CSS.
2: We're going to make Twitter really angry right now. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's what we're here for. So
1: for the purpose of this conversation, I'm going to probably just stick to the word framework because it's easier and it's less uh, syllables that I have to spit out of my mouth. So, But don't be offended. I'm not trying to exclude any libraries over here. So that kind of leads into the next uh, question, which is why do we use Frameworks slash do we even need frameworks for applications and like why do they help?
2: So I think that that's a great question. I th- personally stand by that you do not need a framework, especially if you're building something small and lightweight. Then a framework doesn't necessarily help your workflow. Where the frameworks come in that they become really helpful is if you're building something large and enterprise level with a lot of contributors and that needs a structure that many people can understand. So it really helps your application become more developer friendly, especially as it grows. That being said, there are huge applications out there that a ton of people are using. Like Hacker News is one that I like to give. Hacker News has like 40 lines of JavaScript and it's all vanilla. So there are definitely big sites out there that are not using front end frameworks. So you do not need one, but they can really help your applications be more developer friendly.
0: I think they can also just make programming fun. Totally. That's been my my most recent experience in, in learning Vue in the past month is just I haven't had this much fun coding in a very long time. So do I really need to use Vue or do I really need to use React? Probably not. But I'm going to anyway just for an excuse to learn and just because it's fun.
1: <laughs> I feel like... I was of the mentality of just sticking with vanilla JavaScript for, like, almost anything personal that I did. And that was really prior to, like, understanding how to really use Vue or React. So I would, like, I would build my portfolio in vanilla JavaScript anytime I had a coding take-home challenge. For my current job, I actually just use vanilla JavaScript. I didn't use a, a framework or library. But it, it's really interesting because uh, this kind of goes into, like, the job Uh, Interview process a little bit, but when you're doing like a take-home challenge, for example, a lot of companies want to see you use a framework or library in your solutions, uh, whether they tell you that or not. So I was interviewing for a job in uh, Berlin, and they I asked them, you know, point blank. I was like, Do I need to use a framework or library? Because I've been sticking with Vanilla. And they said, No, like do whatever you want. And I submitted it, and they obviously rejected my application. um, And I asked for a little bit of feedback, and they're like, Well, we wanted you to use React. And I'm like. I I personally am of the opinion of if your javascript skills are are really strong and you understand these advanced or expert expert level I wouldn't say expert level but more complex ideas such as closures and and scope and all of this no pun intended that in my opinion transfers to a a, a developer who is a little bit more flexible when it comes to working on different tech stacks. And so for me personally, I feel more comfortable understanding like vanilla or plain JavaScript concepts versus being an expert in React Review because for me that transfers better. I'm not saying it's like that for everyone. You know, I
2: envy people who are experts at React Review. But I just I don't know if I'll ever get to that point. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And just to clarify for the audience, vanilla JavaScript, when we talk about that, we mean JavaScript without one of these frameworks or libraries. So using Vanilla DOM manipulations, things like document.querySelector, document.getElementById, instead of using something like React to write your front end. So that's what we mean by vanilla JavaScript. But I totally agree that learning those JavaScript fundamentals and shoring those up before moving on to React Review, which dramatically change how you write your front end code, I think that that is something that I wish I had done better because I pretty much jumped right into React when I was learning JavaScript. I'd been programming in other languages for a while but was just learning JavaScript and moving straight into React. And also at the same time, ES6 was coming out. And so all these things were like amalgamating in my brain. And I was like, I don't know what's part of JavaScript, what's part of ES6, what's part of React. And so I really wish that I had been more solid on the JavaScript fundamentals before moving into React.
0: I completely agree. I I learned jQuery before I learned vanilla JS. It really threw me off when I had to not use jQuery for projects. And I'm like, oh, that's not going to work. Oh, that's not going to work. What is this dollar sign doing here? I should probably remove it.
1: Yeah, I struggled with separation of concern. And I was like, what, what part of this is jQuery? What part of this is JavaScript? I didn't fully understand. Because like, I remember back in the day, they were almost taught, like, simultaneously or, like, together, which was very confusing to me. And I used to be of the mentality, and this goes back to our learning how to code or, or teaching code and, and all of this. I used to be of the mentality that, no, you, ha- you should learn vanilla JavaScript or plain JavaScript prior to jumping into a framework or library, you know, because you have to understand these core concepts. And I... I was ready to die on that hill. Uh, And then, you know, through conversing with people on Twitter and whatnot, I quickly realized that everyone learns differently. And so while I sit here and I say, I wish I had learned plain JavaScript concepts a lot more strongly as my foundation before moving on to Vue and React, that's not how everyone learns. I will say, like, even if you choose to learn Vue or React or Angular, Ember, whatever framework or library you choose, you should also, in tandem, kind of understand why these things work the way that they do with regards to, you know, scope. and all of those core foundational pieces.
2: Yeah, totally. Everybody's going to learn differently, and that's totally valid. I just personally wish that I had learned them (laughs) separately a little bit first. Although when we were all learning, jQuery was probably a lot more necessary than it is now Mm -hmm. because a lot of these vanilla JavaScript things were built into the browser after we probably started learning JavaScript. Mm -hmm. And so that's a totally different world for new developers now, too. I think new developers have it so much
0: easier (laughs) for so many reasons, (laughs) just because not only I think things have been better documented at this point, but you have so many new starting points where, you know, if, if you're just learning JavaScript for, from day one, you don't know what to use. There are so many guys out there that kind of walk you through, here's a really
1: great path to take to get to where you want to be. And I feel like that didn't exist no, it didn't. There were like no learning plans, but to be fair, like also when I was learning front, which was not too long ago. I started learning Friend in 2015 at my first full-time job, uh, which is another <laughs> story. But I struggled a lot, but but thinking back on it, like I still had the privilege of having access to like the internet and like resources of people I can go talk to. And I heard this crazy story the other day of this this guy who had taught himself how to code from depreciated books that were, like, written on based on old ECMAScript ECMAS standards and, like, he'd have to go to the library and, like, you know, read it there and he would, like, handwrite all of his notes and, like, go back and teach. And while I struggled with, like, learning frameworks and libraries and even just plain JavaScript, um, you know, in 2015, and while, you know, developers getting into the industry today are in a much better place, like, I can't even imagine having to, you, not having access to even the resources we had when we started. That's exactly how I learned. I learned from a book. Did you? Oh, I did. Gosh. Yeah.
0: My very first, like learning HTML, I learned from a book called HTML Goodies. Huh. And I have a. I think I still have the the JavaScript and jQuery book somewhere in my house. Oh, I love that, that book. Is it with all the pictures? Yeah. Even even now, that's still a really great resource. Not that I've touched it in a really long time, but at least the
2: cover is pretty.
1: Yeah. And the HTML and CSS one's great too, because there's a lot of visual graphics inside. So we'll link those in the show notes.
2: Yeah. I have a lot of students who end up using those. They're really awesome. I actually learned, I did my first JavaScript tutorial on Code Academy, which is really funny back in like 2014. It's definitely evolved a ton since then but it's still a resource that i recommend to this day oh, they're Absolutely. great they're great yeah. i i
1: don't know if you've used them recently but they first of all it's actually not code academy at least the url isn't and i feel like what is that the dunning kruger effect where like you think something is one way your whole life and then you're like what what do you mean it's not tostino it's tostitos or whatever <laughs> but i always thought it was code academy and you type it in it's code academy yeah. Anyway, that was a tangent. But my point is, um, I went back to them like recently within the last month or two, and they've upped their game. I mean, they used to be like just entry level. Like, you know, I, that's how I learned Python back in 2013. Now, oh my gosh, it is so much better uh, of a platform. And they have learning paths now. And uh, we'll link that too, because I loved that
2: site. Oh, my goodness. I'm on here right now. They have non-technical life skills as a course. I need to go through this. Yeah. From how to file income tax to removing different stains. Amazing. Okay. (laughs) We're so far from what we're supposed to be talking about right now, but I need to take their adulting course and it'll be fine. Awesome. Okay. So let's talk about the different pros and cons of using javascript frameworks so some of the pros that we talked about were developer friendliness and it's like fun to write code in these front-end frameworks but also on top of that it also helps when you're scaling these applications so that people know where to look in different files for different components or different pieces of code and it scales a little bit so you don't have to write as much repeated code as well so that's generally the pros to it. In addition, performance. So there is a difference first between perceived performance and actual performance. So perceived performance is if a person goes to your site and thinks that it's fast. And you can make people think that your website is faster than it is using fun animations and stuff like that. People will think that your site is more performant than it actually is. And then there's actual real performance. And so these front end frameworks have different performance Conclusion. So first off, you're loading at a JavaScript library, so it's a lot of code. And so in some ways that's going to be less performant because you are adding all this additional code to your site. That being said, they have a lot of things built into them to make them more performant and allow you to edit the page in a more uh, speedy way than you would be able to using just vanilla JavaScript. So there's definitely a lot to think about there, especially there are ways to expand off of that using things like server-side rendering and all of that.
1: Just a quick note on performance. I had a great conversation with my coworker Khalil yesterday at lunch about the performance of our web applications. And I think If you're, and this goes back to our question of like, do you need to use a framework or library or should you? If you're building an enterprise application or just an application that's consumable by people all over the world, we need to be mindful that not everyone is gonna have the same access to like high speed internet, right? And if you're building an application that should be mobile friendly, it's gonna be primarily used on a mobile device, we shouldn't just account for like these, you know, brand new iPhones with, you know, the fancy processors inside, right? We need to be mindful of the fact that Including a framework or library is going to have negative performance implications, especially if you're building this for people all over the world who don't have the same access. And so I just thought that was an interesting conversation. It gets into accessibility, right? We hear accessibility, we think of like screen readers and all of that, but it's really, is your app accessible to people all over the world? And if you have negative performance due to, you know, importing and using a large framework for a few lines of code that could easily be done in vanilla
2: JavaScript, then, you know, that's a an opportunity cost there definitely it's really important to think about that especially the whole world and so many users are in india and indonesia and other countries that definitely have lower speeds than we do and in addition it, or we do in the united states and then in addition to that people using smartphones that aren't at the same speed as the iphones or google what are the pixels that's what yeah. they're called yeah yeah <laughs> So definitely just thinking about everybody's on a different device and thinking about the whole entire world, not just uh, people who are in perfect situations as far as speed goes. Okay, cool. So we've been talking about all these frameworks kind of generally, but let's start talking about specific ones. Emma, you want to talk about how popular different frameworks are? Sure. So I remember,
1: I'm going to tell a little tiny story. I remember my first JavaScript conference I ever attended, and this was sparked from a a tweet that was sent out the other day. If I can find it, I will link it in the show notes. Um, it was asking about, do you remember your first JavaScript conference? And I I definitely remember my first JavaScript conference because I sat there and I sat there like an idiot. I had no idea what they were talking about. I had just gotten into web development and I'm sitting there like, what is Ember? What is Backbone? What is Vue? I don't even know if Vue was a thing at that point. And so I remember sitting there like, what are all these frameworks that they're talking about? And like, I don't understand. And so you've probably heard of React. React is currently the most popular framework or library being used today. It's quickly followed by, exp- it's not quickly followed by, but it's followed by Express, which is uh, a framework for Node.js. And then underneath that is Vue. Vue is, is catching up quite quite quickly. So 54% of developers are, are currently using React in, in a 2019 uh, JavaScript ecosystem survey conducted by JetBrains, and 39% are using Vue. Vue is obviously a little bit more infant, but it's, it's definitely catching up. You've probably also heard of Angular. Angular has an interesting history that we'll go into in a little bit. Then we've got React Native, which allows you to build you know mobile apps for iOS and Android using React, which is pretty neat. And then we move into some, some other frameworks like Electron at 16% and whatnot. What's really interesting is when we look at the timeline of these different frameworks and libraries, although React is currently the most popular, it's not the oldest. So if you look back starting in 2010, 2011, that's when AngularJS was released, uh, version 0.9. And that was around also the same time as, as other frameworks like Backbone and Knockout. Ember followed the next year uh, with its first release, and then we start to see React a couple of years after the first release of AngularJS. So React and Vue came, you know, one after the other in in two thousand thirteen, and then, and we'll speak about this in a little bit. But then this Angular framework was released, and Angular is different than AngularJS. Very confusing. We'll discuss that later. But it's really interesting to see that you know the, the trends of of the adoption of these different frameworks and libraries because you know react is by far the most popular the most widely used and, and and talked about but it's one of the newest ones that's been released i wonder if that has anything to do with the fact that it's thanks to facebook i do think that and we can talk about this a little bit more but essentially react is backed by facebook which essentially you know i think that was a, a big uh, a big leap right Versus, you look at something like Vue, which is again still in its infancy. It was just released in 2014, and it's I believe it's open source, if I'm not mistaken. That's not being backed by a big company. Whereas you got Angular, uh, Angular JS is backed by Google, and you know React is backed by Facebook. Vue is doing its own thing independently. So I would, yeah, I would guess that the association with Facebook, the backing by Facebook, was for sure one of the reasons it took off.
2: I think so too. I think another piece of it is the community that's popped up around it. I think that those are kind of self sustaining in a lot of ways too. So let's talk a little bit more in depth about React because we're talking about it mm. now. So it was released in twenty thirteen by Facebook. Have you all been using React for a while? I, I feel like Yes. Yeah A while? Well, no.
1: <laughs> yes, and like no. this year. No, I I was like all aboard the Vue train. So here's my JavaScript framework history. Started in Dojo. Didn't love it. I wouldn't recommend it, probably because I didn't understand front-end development. So I started in Dojo. Then I learned Vue, and I built some sites with Vue. Really loved it. When I got to log me in for my job um, last February in 2018, they were like, we're using React. And so I had to like forget about Vue, and learn React. And while I know I still love Vue somewhere deep down, I haven't used it in a long time, and so I'm, like, all about React now.
2: Yeah, so my history is starting with AngularJS back in the day and dealing with all the debugging fun with all that, and then we quickly moved over to React. So I've been re- using React since 2015, jQuery in there as well, important piece of web history, and (laughs) it's still still out there. So shout out to jQuery, and then from there moved to Vue for another project. So I've been using Vue for a, a decent amount of time as well, probably 2016 or so. And then when I moved to teaching, I teach React, so definitely have to know it pretty well for that. And then also have taught Angular periodically as well. So that's a little bit of my history. Kelly, how about you?
1: Sorry, I'm going to jump in just because I remember using AngularJS back in the day, and, like, the model view controller paradigm, like, destroyed my brain. Like, I sat there, and I was like, I don't... How do I even use this computer? I don't understand it, and... I don't know about you, Allie, but, like, I did not like AngularJS.
2: Oh, I am totally on the same page. And the debugging for it was so hard. It was before, <clears throat> like, the dev tools came out that made debugging React and stuff so much better. And, oh, my goodness, debugging AngularJS was the gnarliest thing I've ever dealt with. Then the whole ecosystem at that point, too, was, like, grunt and webpack. And you have to write your mm-hmm. webpack, config yourself, and before create React app I, Just those days of front development I I don't miss whatsoever. That was a part of my career where I would just like copy pasta
1: like all this code from the internet into my webpack config and just be like, I think it works.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
0: That was literally my life. Yeah. Or like I had one previous project that worked just fine. So I'm like, I'm just gonna keep on reusing this and I don't know what any of it means, but apparently it works, so I'm gonna stick with it. But yeah, I also started with Angular JS a long time ago and it completely intimidated me, just like Ebba explained. And so I didn't do anything outside of jQuery until last year. And of course, I've been in a very small box as far as what kind of things I've been building uh, basically since 2012. Uh, most of my experience has been building WordPress sites for clients and then building Shopify stores for clients. So, you know, I'm not kind of exposing myself to the various opportunities to learn other, other frameworks just based on what I do for a living. So I started learning React earlier this year, just for fun, for my own personal site. And then I started learning view a month ago for a client project and I had to ve- learn it very quickly, but I figured it out. So there's like a, a, I think like an, God, I don't know how many years, like at least a six year period where I was just like asleep on all the the frameworks. I did not do a thing with any of them.
2: I think that's awesome, though. I, I think that there's a lot to be said for that and staying stable with what works and just using what works instead of using the, the new shiny thing. I think looking at how young these things are is actually really fascinating for me. I was prepping for an interview on like the history of React and was looking at like when Redux came out and I realized that I was using Redux pretty much when it came out. And that was just fascinating to me. I was like, oh, I had assumed at that point that Redux was just around, but nope. I was pretty much using it like a couple months after it came out. And that's, that's wild to me. So I trailblazer. I know it's wild. Had really bad shiny object syndrome for (laughs) a very long time, including writing apps before, there was an english translation of the docs for something so i was using like google translate from chinese for a framework at some point anyways
1: I think it's really fun when, like, you learn a new technology because I had to learn Redux, too. And I remember my mind turned into Jello for a solid like, two months. I was like, what is an – what is what – well, that's RxJS. RxJS has observables, which also, like, bloggles my mind. But Redux, I was like, what is a dispatcher? What is a, a reducer? I don't understand. But then once you learn it and it clicks, you're like, I'm going to use Redux and everything. I'm going to build, you know, a single-page application that has only static data. And there's no reason to use Redux. But I'm going to use it anyway because, you know <laughs> – I just oh want to make
0: one quick comment just to add in here for people listening who did not understand a lot of the words that Emma just said. Don't worry, you're not alone. I don't need, I don't know them either. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Funny. I don't either. Okay. So <laughs> getting back to React because we are just so tangenty this morning. So React has a couple paradigms within it that have really been pretty pivotal in the evolution of front-end development. So the first one I would talk about is components. So instead of the traditional separation concerns that you see with an app where you have a CSS file, a JavaScript file, and an HTML file, instead you're organizing your code by components. And that's a piece of your user interface. So we talked about how Facebook uh, released React. And so you can think about uh, reactions on Facebook posts. So it used to be that you just used to like something, just a thumbs up. But then they moved it so that you could do a like or a heart or a smiley face or anything like that. And so you can imagine if they had to change that like code in every single place that a like is on their site, that would be a ton of overhead and a ton of find and replace and all that. And so instead, if you organize things by components and that's by their place on the interface, so a like button would be like a component in an interface and so if you organize it by that then you only have to update it in one place instead of all of those places when you move forward with a new feature or update one that's already there
1: i like to think of components almost as like a rubber stamp where you create the stamp and then every time we need one you can physically just stamp it like you would do if you were i don't know stamping a bunch of paper i don't know why you would do that but that's how i like to think of them <laughs> i love <laughs> that. emma doesn't risk spare time I do, I'm a professional stamper.
2: <laughs> <laughs> stamper of React components.
1: What I find really interesting about React, and this took me a very long time to comprehend, is this concept of the virtual DOM. I it still today like kind of blows my mind. So it goes back to this concept of like what is the DOM, right? And and we can think of the DOM as an object-based representation of your HTML document, as well as the interface to manipulating it. When we think about the virtual DOM. What's the benefit here, right? We want to solve the problem of like needing to frequently update the DOM in a more performant manner. And what's interesting is it's not an official specification. It's really just a new way that we can interact with our, our DOM. And so we can think of this almost as like a copy of the original DOM that we can manipulate and update without having to use the DOM APIs, which makes this a lot more performant and optimized. And so once we've made all the updates to the virtual DOM, at that point, we can say, okay, well, these are the changes we know we need to make between the virtual DOM and, you know, the actual DOM. Let's just make those. And this, like revolutionize the way in which we build our applications because, oh my gosh, it's just so much more performant than you know having to change the DOM every single
2: time. Totally, totally. And this also goes back to that idea of like perceived performance is that the way that React updates sites feels really fast and feels really smooth. And so that can make the site feel faster than it actually is, which is another interesting piece of all this. So I think component-based architecture, virtual DOM, I think that those are the two big pieces of React that they're huge for React and huge for that piece of web development. But in addition, those concepts have kind of boiled out to the other front-end frameworks that are out there as well and have just kind of revolutionized the way that we write code even outside of React. So I think that that's a really interesting piece of all of this as well. And the other really huge pro of React is its huge ecosystem. Like, I feel like so many of the people that I follow online are React people and talk about React all the time. And that's, I feel like why I talk about React less is because I just don't want to compete with all of them because there are so many, but it's got this massive ecosystem behind it. And that makes it really friendly to learn and also means that there are tons of libraries out there that you can use in order to extend your React applications.
1: One thing that like really confused me about React for a long time until actually just like yesterday was really the history of of the evolution of React. So like how we went from using create class to class components to functional components to now using hooks. And so very, very quickly, high level, I'm going to share this because I think it's really beneficial. So we started in 2013 with react.create class. So basically like all the info that you would need to describe a component was just passed as like an object property. And we did this because at the time, JavaScript didn't have a native built-in class system. Well, in 2015, ES6 released uh, class declarations, and as a result, um, you know we didn't need to use create class anymore. So, in 2015, you know, literally 10 days later, React introduced React React.component API, and that allows you to create React components from native JavaScript classes. What was frustrating about this? were a few things. You had to use the class constructor now inside of React components. You had to initialize your state inside of this constructor. You had to invoke super with props the first time you, you were extending your subclass because of the ES specification. And then you know we had to go in and auto-bind all of our, our functions with this dot my function equals this dot my function dot bind this. And that was pretty frustrating. And that introduced this idea of uh, class fields uh, so that we could do like class, my component extends react component. And so we went, you know, you haven't used create class. Now using are using react.component. Now we get into class fields. And then just recently is where hooks have kind of come into play. Uh, and there are many benefits to hooks. You know, we don't need to go into all of them. One of the main benefits is they allow you to have local state in your components. They can be persisted across re renders. You can, you know, say like my sidebar is open, my sidebar is dismissed, and it can persist across re renders. And instead of using like lifecycle events for different React components, now you can use uh, group by logic. So there, are, that's like the very high level timeline of of how we got to where we are today with hooks, that confused me for a very long time. I never understood why, like I saw some people like not using this.state equals object within a constructor, but they were just declaring it inside the class. Like that had confused me. Um, and I want to give a, a shout out here to Tyler McGinnis, uh, his React hooks tutorial, um, because that's how I learned. He, he walked through those, those steps, so.
2: Very cool. And one other piece of it that we forgot to mention was JSX, So JSX is a syntax that allows you to write what looks like HTML in your JavaScript code, and that was not possible beforehand. And normally with React, you're going to use Babel, and Babel transpiles your code into different versions. So if you're using... These cutting-edge JavaScript features, it'll transpile it back to ES5 or whatever you need to use for browser compatibility. And it'll also translate that JSX code that looks like HTML into JavaScript that the browser can interpret. So that's another piece of what makes React so developer-friendly. You don't need to use JSX, but pretty much every React app I've ever seen uses it. Okay, so we've talked a bunch about React. It's great. (laughs) Let's talk about some other ones as well. So Kelly, you want to talk about Vue?
0: Before I talk about Vue, I do want to ask a clarifying question for people listening and also for myself. Can you explain the difference between React and React Native?
1: Yeah. React is used to build web applications in a browser versus React Native, from what I understand, is used to build mobile applications for both iOS and Android. Because iOS, in general, uses um, Objective-C or Swift to be built, and this can be really hard for, for people who know, you know, who only work on front end browser, uh, in the front end browser, to work on on mobile. And um, Android is built with Java, if I'm not mistaken. And so React Native allows you to build one application that can be served on both, if if I have that correctly. And um, it's it's not the same exact syntax as React. It's quite similar. It seems like it's not too hard to pick up. But I'm pretty sure that's the difference.
2: That sounds right to me. And then I think you can use it to make desktop apps now, too, or something. I don't know. Mobile development is way outside of my Right.
1: (laughs) But I think the whole, like, I think it's React Native because it's used on, like, native, for native applications on your devices. Huh.
0: Okay. And didn't, like, the the newest macOS update, like Catalina or something, make it so you can use it to build, like, Mac apps as well? Am I making that up?
2: I think so. Something along those lines.
0: Okay. I don't know. I don't I don't work in that space, so it's all gibberish to me. Uh, okay, so let's talk about Vue. So Vue, as we covered before, it is not backed by a, you know, a, a popular organization like Facebook. It was created by Evan Yu, who's an ex engineer from Google. And he created this back in twenty fourteen. And similar to React, it also uses the virtual DOM, which I think for me, I learned React before I learned Vue. So it, can, it, it did make the, the transition to learning Vue a little bit easier. And honestly, that I think is one of the biggest pros. I think it's very easy to learn compared to the other frameworks out there. I feel like the learning curve is a lot lower. Did you have the same experience with that?
2: I totally agree. I've thought about teaching Vue as an on-ramp to React because I think that, it, in my opinion, learning React is if you're going to learn a framework right now, probably the one that to learn just from a job perspective. Like, I think Vue is incredible to learn as well, but I think React is really important from a job perspective. And so I have thought about teaching Vue as kind of an on-ramp to React just because it introduces the idea of components and writing stuff that looks like HTML that isn't really HTML if you write Vue in certain ways. And so I think that it definitely is easier to learn. It's closer to just writing vanilla JavaScript than React is. And the documentation is also incredible as well. And I think that that makes that on-ramp easier as well.
1: Just a couple of fun facts about that. So from what I can tell, Evan, you said that he he basically wanted to extract the parts he really liked about Angular and build something really lightweight. And another quick like fun fact is that uh, if you haven't noticed this, Vue's releases are codenamed with anime names. Uh, Because I guess Evan's really into anime and manga. So that's a fun fact. That's a very fun fact.
0: So one of the things I think that is also really great about Vue, you know, also in line with React is the ecosystem. When I started talking on Twitter about I'm now starting to learn view. i had so many people reach out to me being like, use these resources. These are really great. Ask me any questions that you have. And in you know, I've, I've hit situa- you know certain situations and trying to build out this uh, this PWA for a, a merchant. Where I don't really have that much time to really sit down and learn it, and these people have been so quick to respond and answer my questions. Like this is how you should code this stuff, and it's been it's been really helpful. And I think the the ecosystem around Vue is is wonderful.
1: I do find the Vue community to be so wholesome and very welcoming, uh, and it doesn't feel like there's any like competition um, to prove anything there. It just seems. And I'm not really sure why that is, but I personally feel very welcomed in that community.
2: Yeah, Agreed. Agreed.
0: And I think also it's kind of a, a pro and a con. It is newer, as we've discussed. And with learning something new or just using something that's a bit newer to the space means that there's a little bit less documentation available. Although the documentation for Vue is great. Like literally just like the Vue website for it is it's wonderful. But also with a you know a newer framework it's going to change over time and things are going to become deprecated and there're going to be some breaking changes and that's it's the nature of using a newer framework so it will require a little bit of following along with the changes that have occurred over time
1: I feel like that goes to any framework or library, though, too, because if we look back on the history of React and Angular, let's not even talk about that yet. <laughs> <laughs> These things change rapidly regardless of their uh, maturity, and so I don't think that should be a detractor. I I would agree with what Allie was saying about the fact that, and I hope I didn't like misunderstand this or misinterpret this, but I personally feel... Feel like view is a little easier learning curve wise to get into than react react is uh it can be a little bit more convoluted view is very simplistic it seems quite user-friendly and if you're on the fence between the two and you have no like pros to learning one over the other let's say like your your job doesn't have one that they're using i would i would personally recommend Vue.
2: yeah i think that i agree with the learning curve aspect of that that Vue is a little bit less of a steep learning curve. So I think another thing with React that we didn't talk about is that it is highly based on the functional programming paradigm. So there's a lot of like immutability where you don't change existing data structures and a lot of other complications that come along with that. Whereas Vue does not have that. Like there's two directional data flow, whereas in React, the data structures or the data flow is unidirectional. So you pass data from one component to another, but you don't pass it back to that original component. Whereas Vue, the components can really talk to each other. I think that that data flow makes learning Vue a lot more accessible. That being said, my one thing for React is that, especially in the States, I see a lot more React jobs than Vue jobs. And so if you're looking for your first developer job, I would recommend learning React for that reason. I agree. That's awesome.
1: So speaking of really great frameworks, I'm going to now segue (laughs) into one that I'm not passionate about. And I hate that I say that because I think I just had a bad experience with it. I am going to be neutral on this topic, but that's Angular. Angular is a... uh, Okay, well, let's be clear here. We've got AngularJS and we've got Angular, and they are technically two different frameworks, which is very confusing to me. But let's talk about that. So AngularJS was released in 2010 by Google. Again, similar to React, it was backed by a large company. It's currently being used by many big companies like Forbes, Wix, and you guessed it, Google. (laughs) So today it's called Angular, but prior to 2016, there was the suffix JS. They're not the same framework, and this is very confusing to me. It seems as though every new release of this framework kind of changes the paradigm Vastly, and so like oh, the Angular JS release is not even remotely the same framework as Angular. Although I don't know Angular at all, so like I'm not one to speak to those. But from what I can tell, there are some pros. Uh, it seems like it's pretty modular. They ha- there's a lot of out of the box functionality that you get, like a router, form validation, HTTP client. You have a high level of control. And you can also just apparently uh, use HTML and CSS you know, natively versus React. We talked briefly about JSX and that being a little bit different. But again, Angular, lots of different releases, a little tricky to learn, and each version differs vastly from previous versions.
2: Yeah, I think... There are huge benefits to using React and Vue even just for a side project for developer-friendliness, whereas Angular is not that way. Angular really comes in if you're building a massive enterprise application and need all the bells and whistles and need it to be really, really structured. I think that's where... Angular really shines, whereas React and Vue still shine for smaller projects as well. So we both used AngularJS back in the day, and it was really painful to debug and work with, at least in my opinion. And then Angular, when it was released, it mirrored React in a lot more ways. So it it used this like component-based architecture and all of that that we're seeing with the other frameworks. And so that change is when it dropped the JS from its name and is now just Angular, but they change versions really fast and they even have material design built into it now. So, Oh, wow. Okay. It has everything coming out of the box. You don't even have to install really anything to, to Angular. So it's definitely really interesting from a lot of perspectives and it was the OG in a lot of ways, but I personally have a lot less fun writing Angular code and teaching it is really, really tough, whereas React and Vue are... I would
1: argue though that you can definitely build large-scale enterprise applications with React if you use some of the other tooling that comes along with that, right? Like if you're, we're using um, React Redux here with TypeScript, and I don't know, I don't think we're using GraphQL, but that also plays nicely with it. Yeah, I would agree that maybe Angular is a bit more robust out of the box for enterprise apps. Like there are things that you can do with React that also level that playing field.
2: Oh, 100%. I 100% think React is excellent for massive applications. For sure. I'm more saying that Angular does not work well with small applications, mm-hmm. but apparently it works well with bigger ones. And so I haven't had as many experiences that make Angular necessary. Whereas I've heard from people who work for like massive companies that Angular is better in that, or Angular shines in that format. Not that it's like better than anything else in that format, but that it's not good or not great in a very small application, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I, I think it goes without saying that any of these frameworks have their have their place that, you know, they really shine, depending on what it is your end goal is. And while we may not have uh, maybe positive opinions of Angular or have not had the experience to really or sit down and learn it in a real life context. I know a lot of people absolutely love Angular and that it is definitely their framework of choice. So if it is something you're interested in learning, there is definitely plenty of, uh, there, there are resources out there for, for you to learn.
2: Totally, totally. And their documentation is really good too now. So we've kind of talked about
1: you know, three of the biggest uh, frameworks for libraries, React View and Angular. There are definitely some others that you can check out and that are, you know, still pretty popular. So, like, you might have heard of Ember, Backbones, Svelte. I think that's how you say it, right? Is that that's you it? how you say it, yeah. I had to learn Svelte. that one, too. <laughs> Svelte. <laughs> Elm and HyperApp. I mean, there are numerous, many frameworks. I I mentioned Dojo. I was using, um, like, Durandal with Knockout. Like, there's a plethora, right? How do you know which one? is right for you?
2: So I think if you're working at a big company, I, I think the biggest question is what are you using already? And mm-hmm. is that working for you? If it's working for you, there's no need to change. And you don't need to have shiny object syndrome and change to the hottest framework that's out there right now. If it's working for you, stick with it because your developers are already onboarded to that. That's perfectly valid. That being said, if you are in a situation where your company isn't using anything yet or you are starting from zero my personal spin would be that like react has a huge ecosystem behind it at this point vue does as well and so then it comes down to what your developers know what level they're at like junior developers we talked about how vue is easier to learn usually and so if your team is all juniors like maybe vue would be the way to go but then React has been around longer, is a little bit more popular. So maybe it'd be easier to find React developers to work on your project. So that's really important to think about all those different um, pieces of the puzzle there.
1: Absolutely. I think that's great. Yeah, I think that's it. That's a mic drop right there. I don't have anything to add.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And I think another interesting thing is like people always talk about how the front end community is moving so fast and there's a new framework out each week. And as we've kind of been talking about today, it's not really that way anymore. Like Angular, React, and Vue have been dominating this conversation for years at this point. And it hasn't really, they have all evolved. Like React has hooks now, Vue is implementing hooks. All of that has evolved a little bit. That being said, it's the same frameworks that are in the same conversation and it's not a huge move from one to the other. And so, conversations about how there's new j- JavaScript framework each week and it's all moving too fast. I rub me a little bit the wrong way because I think that they're over-dramatizing a problem that was definitely there but is definitely subsided more I recently. I think we
0: just we overdramatize everything.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, that's well, true. but I
0: also
1: feel like maybe in the past that that was true, and people had the right to be um, kind of upset—not upset, but like nervous about that because the amount of educational material took a lot longer to be released when new iterations were were produced of these frameworks. Right. But now we're in an era where there's so many people producing content, uh, amazing content um, that, you know, something gets released, like hooks got released and like all these big people started pushing out content like the same day or a few days after. So I think back in the day, I could understand that. Um, Now I think we're in a different time.
2: Yeah, totally agree with that. I think that it's really stabilized in a lot of ways. There's like great ecosystem and like 2015, 2016. I think that that was super true with Gulp and Grunt and Webpack and Parcel and all of those things moving and not knowing which framework would actually become dominant. But now I think that it's really stabilized in a lot of ways. Agreed. So let's
0: talk about learning one of these frameworks. And I know that each of us have some of our favorite tutorials for learning various libraries and frameworks. So Emma,
1: what are some of your favorites? So in terms of React, I... Even today, I've just been taking Tyler McGinnis' React Tutorials because he's an incredible teacher. He teaches things I would not even think that I needed to know. And he reinforces the information in a way that, like, you watch a video, and then you read a, an associated blog post, and then you do activities. And so having, like, different methods for, for learning really um, helps you absorb that information. So shout out to him. And then also Dave Sedia has a pure React book uh, I would highly recommend as well.
2: What about you, Allie? Awesome. So my go-to is going to be the documentation. I like reading stuff and just trying to use those primary sources first. And I think React and Vue both have really great documentation on their site. Angular does too at this point as well. I also wrote my own React and Vue tutorials, so you can read those. Some people like them, so hopefully they're helpful. Um, (laughs) So I I don't know. I guess I'm doing a shameless self-promotion here, but... Yeah, Some people like them. Give yourself some credit. People love them.
0: <laughs> They're great tutorials.
2: <laughs> Kelly, how about you?
0: So one of my favorite courses for learning Vue was Sarah Drasner's course on Frontend Masters. That was kind of my first foray into Vue before I jumped into working on this client project. And I found it to be incredibly helpful. And when I started learning React, uh, I used uh, the React for Beginners tutorial from Wes Boss. I thought that was a, a really great intro, and I thought the like the activities that you do as you're learning, as you're going through the tutorial, were, were fun, so it kept me engaged as well. So those
1: would be my two mm-hmm. favorites. I want to thumbs up both of those because I took Sarah's U course in front Masters, and I mean, it was only a couple of hours, but I was able to build like an enterprise website based on that, so that was really great. And I would also thumbs up West Boss has some really fun activities. I think a lot of Wes Boss's tutorials are really great. Just the various courses. Right. Uh, his
0: his uh, is it a beginner JavaScript course? I assume he has one. I know he has a JavaScript 30 course, which is really great. Yeah. For just, like, I need examples of how I can practice JavaScript. That is a really great one right there. Again, right. not a framework, but it it uses no no framework or library whatsoever. It's
1: just vanilla JavaScript. So it's a good it's a good practice you can also take those and then use like build the same thing but using react or build the same thing using view it's really interesting exactly
2: totally there's this site that's called to do mbc and it does this for both front end and back end frameworks but it builds the same to-do list app in like every single framework you could imagine mm-hmm. so you can see the different code for each one i think that that's a really great resource too so I thought this episode was really educational for me as well as hopefully the audience. So if you like this episode, tweet about it. We select one tweeter each week to win Ladybug stickers. They're super cute. And if you know somebody who should be a guest on our podcast, visit our contact page on ladybug.dev to submit a name. On that site, we also have our transcripts and full show notes. So definitely check it out. We post new podcasts every Monday, so make sure to subscribe to be notified and leave a review. We love seeing your thoughts. Thanks again to Log Rocket for sponsoring this episode.